Let's pray. Father, it is good to be here today, and Lord, we believe that it is not by accident that we're here. You knew since before time that every single person sitting in these chairs today would be here, and you want to speak to them. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just do in our hearts what we can't do. Uh, Help us, Lord, to hear, uh, Lord, spiritually and with our ears, Lord, uh, your good news and your change for life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. Um, Just an update, because I haven't been up here in a while. I love my CPAP machine. Woohoo! So, yes. I'm telling you that because I have so much energy now. I sleep, I remember my dreams, and like, so I'm ready to just go. But I'm going to dial it back, you know, because sometimes that could be too much. So I'm going to dial it back and make sure we get out here in time to watch the Cowboys play the JV team this afternoon. Um, so just hang in there with me. It's not going to go too long, but it's exactly what God wants you to know, right? We're going to be speaking into your life today. So uh, last week, uh, amazing, John started off the sermon uh, series, and I love this one. It's about finding we in a world made for me. And if you weren't here, basically, uh, John touched upon the idea that our world is totally made for me, like me-centered, right? I want it now. I get to order it, my app, you name it. But God designed us for a we, right? And if you think about it, uh, the books of the Bible, most of them were written to churches, right? Not to an individual. Some were to the pastors telling them, what, hey, this is what you got to do. But it was to be read together and looked at as the church. And y'all responded in amazing ways. Here's an update. We talked about going from pews or rows, chairs, to circles. And that was getting in a grilling group. Over 50 people signed up over the last two weeks. We got five or six groups, okay? New leaders that we're training tomorrow night. Some awesome things that God is doing there, getting us in group life, okay? If you missed it, you're like, hey, I still might want to be in. Just write it on the card, let me know, and we'll, we'll get in contact with you. But today we're talking about not circles, but action, okay? So what action is God calling you specifically to take if he wants you to be a we instead of a just a me? It's all about me, right? Where's the we come in? I told you I had lots of kids at home. We have four of them. And here's the crazy thing. All four of them have their primary sport in season right now. I actually had time to work on my message, right? All four of them. Now, three of the four usually play on the same night. Some of you are like, yes, that way it was not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? But, but we were like tag teaming, trying to find out who goes where, you know. But when you're watching all these different sports, I started to think, you know what? Um, there's a, a method to the madness of almost every sport out there, right? In fact, I, I figured out the tennis one, I think, okay? Tennis is, is pretty simple, at least to watch, right? Because you have one person and one person, and then there's doubles, right? You kind of know who's supposed to do what. Now, I guarantee it's much harder than just looking at it, right? I probably would. And then my other girl's in volleyball. So volleyball, kind of get that. I know that, like, I don't know the names of all of them, but I know that since Libby is not super tall, she's not a spiker, Right? But she's a setter, and then she's not one of those divers, you know, that go down to the, the bottom, whatever they're called. But anyway, I, you kind of get that. There's six. But football, okay? Now, let me tell you, I'm probably the same as at least half of you in here where I never played football, right? But you might like to watch it. So when my boys finally started playing football for about a month, I was ahead of them on the knowledge. And then all of a sudden, they started talking about quarterbacks, halfback, tailback, fullback, this back, every, every back that you can imagine out there, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I get that, uh-huh, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Like, like when Andy was little, touch this frog, Dad. I don't like touch frogs, but I act like it, right? Oh, yeah, that's a nice frog, you know, just got him. So back to football, right? You're sitting there, and here's what you see. You see, if you don't know anything, you see about 70 to 80 guys come out, and they all look the same, right? All got these pads on. They got this helmet on. But the only difference is, besides their size, is numbers, 
right? And they did teach me a little bit about this, right? So usually you got your fast little guys, like number one, number two, right, going all over. And then you got your quarterbacks, probably like five to 15, kind of lower numbers, you know, like in there. And then you got the guys in the middle, and then all of a sudden, like the big guys, right? The big guys that are like 6'1", 6'4", 250 around there, they're all like 50 and over, right? These big numbers, just, just kind of. So you're not going to want this guy wearing like an 80 being about 130 pounds and running. It doesn't make sense, right? Now, could you imagine, could you imagine if a coach took all these 70 guys and said, hey, the rules of the game are this. We can put 11 guys on the field at a time. And if you're on the field, I just want 11 to go out there. And if they have the ball, you just don't want to make sure they don't get it down here. And then if we're going to put 11 other guys out there, and when you have the ball, your goal is just to get it down there. And, and who are the first 11 to raise their hand to go out? Would that work? No, of course not, right? I mean, people get plowed. Every single, every single person on that team has been gifted by God and trained in a specific position in a specific way, right? it's the same for almost anything. Like, look at the cheerleaders on the side, right? You have these cheerleading things. I don't know a lot about cheerleading, but I do know, like, they all kind of wear the same stuff. They all kind of look the same. I mean, one's boys, one's girls, right? And you, but here's the thing. On the bottom, uh, you have the base. On the top, you have these flyers, right? And I would never be a flyer, trust me, right? But look in the back here. You see the subway? Just look to the left of the subway. There's this guy going like this. Okay? He's just looking. You know what he's called? Spotter, Right? And he, you may miss him. You may not even see him the whole time. And that's a good thing, right? But do you know how important his position is? If I was a flyer, I would want a Harvard Ivy League educated certified spotter underneath me, right? Why? Because if I fall, I'm going to the hospital unless this guy knows what he's doing. His position, my friends, may be mundane looking, but it is so important. And I want you to keep that in your mind as we talk about the church. As we go from football to cheerleading to the church. Because it is no different. There is a reason every single one of you sitting here, whether you, this is your first week or if you've been here 30 years, there's a reason you are sitting here today and God has a plan in this house of worship for you. He has a plan in your job for you. He has a plan in your school for you. He has a plan in your neighborhood, in your family. There's not just a mistake that you are planted where you are. And so here's the question to wrestle with to figure out what's going on, God, is this. And it's on your outline. The first one is this. What makes you unique? What makes you unique? And I'm not talking about like, okay, I got blonde hair, I got a bigger nose than most, or I wear these kind, or I got my bare socks on, or things like that, right? I'm talking about what makes you unique on the inside? What makes you who you are? I had a very good friend this week ask me a very deep question. He said, who is Tim? I said, well, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband. No, 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 no. He said, who is Tim? I thought, okay, what's he getting at here? Maybe I'll give the good traditional Lutheran answer. I said, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. You know, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I don't want the pastor answer at all. He says, I want to know who is Tim? And you know, I don't know that I've ever thought that deeply about that. I've actually struggled with it this week in my devotions and just driving. I'm like, okay, who am I, right? How do I describe myself? I mean, we're all sinners. We're all, hopefully, if you know Jesus, you're a redeemed child of God, you're all that. But, but who are you? What makes you unique? That's what we're getting at today. That's what God is getting at when we're going to look at this scripture today, okay? So we're going to we're to learn this truth after we find our uniqueness. Jesus has filled you with a giftedness that only you can fulfill in this time and place. 
You have a giftedness that only you can fulfill because it's not just a giftedness, but it's how you've used it in the past, your stories, your background, and God will use that, okay? He will. We're going to follow a guy. His name is Peter. And he was one of the 12 disciples, apostle to actually see Jesus, be with Jesus for three years, right? And Peter, when we look at his writings and see what Jesus did with him today in just a brief time here, we're going to see that Peter got it. He got the aha of, okay, I'm unique and God's going to use this specifically to change the world, right? And I don't care like what age you are here, this hits everybody, okay? You can be in in middle school, in high school, in college school, old school, I don't care how old you are, what, how young you are, okay? This, this re- re- relates to you because God has you in that chapter doing what you're supposed to be doing at that time. Do you realize a lot of you young, the, the younger people in here, I don't know if you realize how much of an encouragement or not you can be to the older generations, right? I mean, you can inspire at the age of 12, 15, 20. You can inspire us like nobody's business because we're like, man, I used to be that age. I remember the dreams I had and they're actually doing it, right? Because there's lots of reasons we don't fulfill our dreams. Here's what Peter has to say about this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, okay? Now listen to that. He says, use whatever gift you have received, not to serve yourself, right? But to serve others. And that literally is God's grace being poured out in all sorts of different forms, right? So if you're like, you know what? I would love to see Jesus right now. I would love to Jesus to show up and, and, and convert this person. I love Jesus. To, you know what? He's showing up in you. He really is. Jesus is showing up in your workplace, in your school, in your family, in your home, in your church. He's showing up through you. That's exactly what this says. And we're supposed to use these gifts to pour his grace out to others. Now notice, this says to pour God's grace out. Some of you may hear this right now. You're like, I'm so exhausted. I can't do another thing, right? Usually when we're super, super exhausted, we're not working from God's grace. We're working for God's grace. You get that preposition is very important right? I'm working from a relationship with Jesus, not for a relationship, right? So once you allow to sit with Jesus and allow him to fill you, reading his word, praying, just like meditate, spending time with him, it will flow. It will flow and it will have effort, but it will seem effortless, right? But why don't we do that? You know, here's, here's the question. Each one of us, we have a reason or maybe a few that's keeping us from fulfilling our role. Some of you may say, well, I just don't have the time, right? I'm so busy. Now remember, all of us have 168 hours. We all do it the whole week, 168 hours. Nobody gets more or less, right? I know some sleep less, but you get 168 hours. And it's, it's the management and putting together, okay, what is on my heart? What do I want to say yes to and no to, right? Some of you, I think a lot of the ways that you miss your giftedness is out of fear, right? How many of you can actually sing? How many of you can actually play? And you're like, I could never be up there because I'm concerned about what people think right now. Or maybe, maybe you're like, you know what? I love it when people smile. They welcome me at the door. They're so kind. They open the door for me. But I would love to do that, but like, I'm just so nervous. I'm not a social person like that, right? 
Here's where God will start doing his surgery and show you this is your giftedness. This is why you are here. And when you do that, a lot of times those excuses will just melt. They'll fall away, right? And here's how it happens. Your life, okay? Your life is more fulfilling when you find and use this unique giftedness, okay? If you take that leap and say, you know what? I'm gonna try to find this giftedness. I'm gonna try to use it just to play one step out of the boat. You're gonna be amazed, amazed at what God brings in your life, right? So, this is what happened to Peter, okay? Um, I want to read you a section of Matthew and what happened in Peter's life with Jesus, and then I'm going to go back to his beginning, and you'll be amazed at going from point A to point B, okay? So this is what happened in, like, in the second part. This is it. Jesus says, or uh, Matthew says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, right? Because he was beheaded uh, months ago, and they thought, well, maybe he's reincarnate, right? Uh, or maybe it's Elijah, right? The Jews are waiting for Elijah, you know? And still others said, maybe he's like Jeremiah because he looks like a bullfrog, or no, one of the prophets. Or, but what about you, he asked. He says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God, right? He was the first recorded person in scripture to confess Jesus to be exactly who he was, the son of God, the Messiah, the savior, the one to save us from our sins. Now, do you know where Peter came from? He was a fisherman and he was doing a good job of it. Fishing is when you can really fish and you get the fish, it's amazing, right? He was pulling them in net by net, tons of them. Most of the uh, historians of that time, they believe Peter actually had a business where he had multiple boats, right? He had multiple, almost like a multi-site business where he, just, like, he had a fishing boat here, on this lake, on that lake. He was following in his father's footsteps, probably his grandfather's footsteps. He only saw his life, the rest of his life, as being a fisherman. And while that would have been good and great, and he fed his family, he fed other families, and he could put jobs uh, with other people, uh, gave them jobs, God had something different in the next chapter of his life, right? He says, when he called him out early in the Gospels, he says, you're not going to be fishing for fish anymore. You're going to be fishers of men, right? And he called Peter out and he started to do surgery on him because Peter decided, you know what? I'm actually going to get away from that and move forward to something else because God's calling me to that. Not that that was bad. Not that what you're doing is bad. It's not good. You're probably doing amazing things. I know a lot of you are. But maybe God is saying there's a new chapter now. And so he calls Peter out, and Peter, along with James and John, okay, three of the twelve, kind of became Jesus' inner circle. And so when you look in Scripture, you will see it says, Peter, James, and John were there. Peter, James, and John were there. When Jesus, Matthew 9, goes up Mount of Transfiguration, who's up there with him? Peter, James, and John. So, Peter, I'm giving you an inside track. And Peter might not have known it, but he's like, you know what? God is developing me for something. Peter was bold. He probably had the imprint of his foot in his mouth, right? Having all the time to this guy. Yeah, he says, right after this statement, he goes, like, Jesus, you're not going to Jerusalem, never. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> just as much as you just had this now, you're kind of off the rocker. He got so excited, Peter cut off a dude's ear, right, when they came to arrest him. And Jesus is like, no, that's not me. Put his ear back on. That's crazy, right? No staples, just put it right on. And then Jesus said, you know what, Peter, I love you. Peter, James, and John, you're my inner circle, but you, I know you don't think you're going to do this, but you're going to deny me three times tonight knowing me. And the rooster's going to crow, and he did it. He went away weeping, man. And Jesus brought him back in. Here's, here's what's so special. 
is the church is more complete when your unique giftedness is put into action, right? The church was more complete when your unique giftedness is put into action. About 11 years ago, um, I had a, some family things going on, and I resigned from ministry for a while. And uh, I thought, okay, how does a pastor who's trained to be a pastor make a living, <laughs> right, uh, when you're not a pastor? And so I thought, brilliant, real estate. And so it took me six days, online studying, online tests, to get my real estate license. And then 2009 happened. Okay, so I'm like, like it's, it, there's nothing going on in the real estate, right? And I was excited trying to do this. I'm actually paying money every month to, to, for, to be a realtor, and I'm making no money. You know, it's crazy. And, you know, if I stood and, and stayed in there long enough and with everything coming back around, I think I could sell a lot of houses, right? I could be a realtor. But I think, you know, God called me to something else, right? Because within a year, y'all made a phone call to me. I got a phone call from St. John and said, hey, we need a pastor. And you, you interviewed, paid me month to month. You know, this is like a no contract month to month basis, right? You leave me anytime you want, either of us. And then you called me. But I am so, so, so grateful to be your pastor, to be a shepherd, to be the one that gets to love you, to visit you, to pray with you, right? I mean, that is my giftedness, my sweet spot. God designed me to do that. Now, I could have been a realtor, and realtors are awesome. Y'all got so much more patience than I do, I guarantee you. Like, this is the 25th house. They all have toilets. Buy one already, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, here, get in the car again. <laughs> yeah. So, realtors, you rock. But that's not what jazzes and fills me in the end, right? I could have been a printer, a bookbinder. Grew up in that. I loved it. I love laminating things, binding. I had big four-inch, four-foot blades, four inches thick. Could have cut my hand off, right? Loving life in a bindery. But God called me to be your pastor, right? God called Peter from the amazing job of fishing every day. I mean, you gotta love that, right? Yeah. But he says, hey, I got something different for you. I have something different. And he said, yes. So what's God calling you to today? Where's God calling you and saying, you know what? The church, the church would be more complete with your unique giftedness put into action. Every one of you have it. You all do, right? These youth right here, they all stood up. They took their, listen, they took their spiritual gift inventory and said, you know what? God has me gifted in this way, and this is how the team will function this year. Brilliant, right? Wonderful, okay? We're not just putting 11 of them out there and saying, get the football there. We don't know who's gifted to what, right? And one time can work. I want to share one more, one more part with you that kind of was put on my heart. It's an Old Testament story. You're like, wait, I thought we were talking about Peter, right? Old Testament. We're going to talk about the mundane. Okay, remember I started this by saying, you know, there's certain things you think, well, the spotter, that's not important, right? But it is. See if you can catch in this story the mundane that is so important. It's from Exodus chapter 17, and it reads like this. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under, his, under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur, imagine that, being a dude named Hur. Ha! He's in trouble. Okay. Uh, Aaron, well, Aaron, I guess, isn't any of Anyway, Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Did you get what was happening there? 
God was telling Moses, hey, you need to send Joshua out, some guys, but the Amalekites, I know they can mess with you. You're going to beat them today, but what you got to do is hold your, so, so your uh, staff up. Now, I don't know if you've done Pilates. I don't know if you do these kind of tension things, done yoga, but this gets tiring after a while. Just go home like this. Go home and try to do this while you're watching the Cowboy game, okay? Like, see how long this happens. And he had to go like this. So what happens is Aaron and her, or him and her, him and Aaron came by. Those two came by, and this is what their job was today. They woke up in the morning, and this was it. My job today is to be an elbow holder, right? You are going to hold this elbow and I'll hold that elbow. No mother prays for her children to grow up and be elbow holders, right? I know it sounds silly, but this is exactly what these guys were doing today. You're just going to sit here and hold this elbow up and you hold the other one. You know, I'm holding it better. I'm holding it higher, right? It's like, come on. How mundane, but how important. And the Bible tells us that as they did that mundane task that was probably tiring, unflattering. Can you imagine what Moses' armpit smelled like? Uh, yeah, that just hit me. It didn't hit the other services. You got a special dispensation right there, the Holy Spirit. That's nasty. They're in the desert. Showers? I don't think so. That's sick. Anyway, so Aaron and her, mundane task. And yet God brought victory to those people and his church through that, that task, right? God will bring victory to his church when you use your unique gift, even if you think it's mundane. He'll bring victory to his church. I once heard someone say, God will bring victory to his church even if you think it's a mundane task, right? I just can't stop saying it. It's so true. So what's your task? What's your giftedness? Where is it? Is it latent? Is it just sitting there ready to just be unleashed? Here's the question. How do I start? Right? Some of you are like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Open the gate. Let me get up. Right? You're ready to go. If you are, you need to take your spiritual fingerprint. Okay? Here's what it is. I know it's hard to read. I'm sorry. Spiritual fingerprint is this. Go to spiritualfingerprint.com. If you can't read that, you can't remember it, you're blind, you forget, whatever, just go to our website, St. John website. You can click on the spiritual fingerprint inventory. You'll get there. Okay? Uh, it will want to charge you $50 or whatever. Don't pay it. Okay, you just put in there St. John, and we've already paid this for you. And then if they ask for your supervisor, you put Pastor Tim. It doesn't matter, just put anybody in there, right? But you just say Pastor Tim. And it'll take about a half hour, you fill this out. All these, the youth council have done this, and 40% of you have done this, okay? So there's 60% left. I went to Woodrow Wilson Public School, I know math, okay? So 40% of you did it, 60% left. You can take this, and here's the cool thing. You fill this out. You're going to get a one-page spiritual fingerprint where this lady, she's like reading my mail when she went through mine. She's going to know you. She'll put this down. Her name is Diana. She lives in California. Don't hold that against her, right? Um, she'll put this down, and you'll be able to then kind of see, this is how God made me. And then she used to try to call everybody. You know how hard it is to get somebody on the phone? <laughs> yeah. So now she does a 10 to 15-minute audio that gives you an interview about you. So this is super cool. You get to listen to it. And if you love you and you want to think about you all the time, you can go to bed listening. Oh, it's all about me, right? So you listen to this thing over and over. And then she'll send it to two ministry leaders. Usually I'm one of them and another one, but ministry leaders to say, hey, this person might fit in this ministry. Option two, if you think, man, I know exactly what God wants me to do, you just put it on a card and we'll connect with you on that, okay? Um, option one is a good safe bet as well because you might think you know you, but you might not know you, right? And God may be doing some different things. I'm just going to add this as a supplement. Uh, 
there's a thousand ways to serve, right? Today we have Kip Worrell with us. Kip, will you raise your hand, please? Kip uh, came 15-hour drive to be with us just for today. He was uh, the one that helped. He, his, his team does the leadership for the Jamaican mission trip stuff. So he's going to be back here if you, because we're just getting our foot into international missions here at St. John. If you're like, hey, this is my giftedness right here, you know, talk with him. There's all different ways to do this. You know, he would love to answer questions. How can you go to like the next place? I mean, like from Jamaica, maybe like, I don't know where's next, but you know, who knows what God would do, right? How do I get started? Y'all going to be watching football. Maybe this afternoon you're going to see football around for a long time. I try to use illustrations that's going to help you remember, right? That when you see that football, you remember God has gifted me in a very unique way that only I can fulfill, right? And it may seem mundane, but it is important. Don't let it slip away because God is good. He's gifted you. And when you serve, there's victory for God's church, you, and you'll be blessed and you'll be fulfilled. Amen. Amen.